I'm your host, Riem Zin Labidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Jonathan Inondi. He's a data engineer and the director at Univalence. I knew Jonathan from the Scala community and I worked with him in Paris. I'm very excited to have him today. So let's meet with him and learn more about his journey. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to Tech Tech. Hi, VM. Uh, it's great to be able to talk with you. So you wanted to know a bit about my, my journey through tech, if I'm right? Yes. And uh, to start, uh, let's talk uh, about yourself, like to introduce yourself to the audience. Who is Jonathan? And tell us some fun facts about yourself. So my, my name is uh, Jonathan, uh, or John, and uh, I'm working mostly in data engineering. So I'm with a team of uh, experts in, in this field, so data engineering around Scala, Spark, Kafka, and all the technology that are used to uh, move data around and make data accessible. And fun fact, uh, when I'm not doing data engineering and uh, any kind of uh, IT stuff, I'm mostly like growing tomatoes and, uh, and e-surfing, so surfing with an electric board in uh, the Atlantic. That's what I, I, I do when I'm not in front of a keyboard trying to build uh, abstractions uh, and move data around. That's pretty cool. You have a, a garden or? Yes, growing tomatoes is so fun. Okay, I could talk about tomatoes <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, so it's a raised garden um, that is very small. Like I need to move, change paces and grow bigger. But uh, it has been a lot of fun lately because it's uh, it's. I can harvest tomatoes uh, every day now. And um, the only thing I'm not growing is mozzarella. <laughs> so I need to buy mozzarella at the shop and then grab the tomatoes <laughs> in the garden. And and they are huge. And since tomatoes are a lot more expensive nowadays, it's like, oh, it, it could be profitable. But yes. at first it was a lot of fun. It was just me like uh, going to the garden, uh, raising beds so they are manageable, planting and, uh, and doing some hybridation. And that's it. Yeah, that sounds cool. Can you remember how the first time you started being interested into computers or programming? It's a, it's a very good question. I've been working in startups and usually when people uh, around tech and startups uh, present themselves, it's like, oh, I've been doing computer since I was like nine years old or 12 years old and so on. And uh, good for them, like uh, they are really talented people. My first computer that I owned and I and I then programmed just after, I was 19 at the time. I was 19 and I was starting the engineering path. So after three years of study. So I'm a bit of a late bloomer in this field. Like I was programming a bit my Excel instrument like 82 uh, when I was in, in class. So I was doing some programming with basics. But really what happened is like, I, I got a computer uh, when I was 19 years old and then six months after I had to deliver a database project. So it was very fast. It's like I had to learn things in no time and it was a lot of fun and it was very fun to start with SQL actually. I had a very good mentor in SQL at school, uh, in my engineering school. 
and he actually pushed me in the right direction. So it it was great to have someone to give you like a path to follow, and then you follow, and then I was able to to learn a lot in a in a in a couple of months around data management and uh, and building like a web project that would serve uh, data in database, data migration, and all like all, all those things happened in a couple of months. So that was the beginning. It was a bit rough. It was a lot of all nighters. I would say, uh, yeah, uh, even if you are young, like uh, working at night until four to deliver projects that were way like done after like planned deadlines uh, is not something that you want to do. And even if it provides you good skills and an experience. I still cherish that time, but I don't think that's the right way to do to to start. Like it, it's a lot of pain, also. I can imagine. So I would not encourage that, like uh, to to really like have projects that eat your life for for a couple of months. Yeah, during these months, I can imagine how stressful it was. It is very difficult at that moment, but it is worth it at the end. You realize that you have learned a lot, right? Yes. You get two things like you never proud to deliver something so late, even if you realize only way after the budget was too tight and it was not your fault. The project was two years late at the end, mm -hmm. and uh, it was planned for a six month project. Uh, the last version was delivered like two years and a half after the beginning of the project. But then you realize when you go and when you, you make this path as your path professionally, you realize it, it's okay. Like it was supposed to be at least a year project and it was supposed to be better funded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning you, you say, well, I could have done better. I could have done way better. Yes. That's right. And then, then the time passed and say, oh, no, that's fine. That's the project has linear there. Like, uh, just was not planned correctly at the beginning. So at the, at the beginning you have a bit of guilt and then I realized like, so I delivered something so you have maybe too much pride. So you, you think you can do anything now. Yes. And, and then I started to do mobile development and I was very bad at it. Like I was successful on my last projects around data management, but building like mobile applications in 2009. So just like after the iPhone SDK started to, to be open. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I was, I was not good at it at all. Like I didn't have enough programming experience to, to build applications. So you, you have this uh, overconfidence about your work because you were able to manage a very difficult project during a certain time. And then you, you transfer that to another technology and then you completely like under deliver. So it's good. It's bad. It's. It's big feelings. Like um, it works, so you are part of it, and then you say, "Well, it works, so I can do anything now." It's like no, like you still need to learn, and you're still learning every yes. day. And there, there are projects you are, you think you you will be able to deliver, and you don't. Yeah. Still, you don't. And uh, during the beginning of the journey, you give it a try for the data management, and then later you try another thing. Maybe also it is. Uh, a way to see in which direction you should go. Like you try different things and then you think that you are more uh, into data than mobile. Was it like this? I still, I still miss like uh, every now and then I, I want to go back to mobile. Uh, for example, like uh, I bought two, two tablets 
on Android that are e-inks. So the screen is uh, is um, this ink that is is not like a plastic like a screen like it it has like a three weeks of battery and it's more close to the reader you get from from uh, Amazon like the Kindle than than a regular tablet. So I want to go back and to make like a node management system and so on. I think I, I could like work on this project and. And then I have, I have no time because like the data management project are coming, calling me back. So usually you start your, your career on certain projects and they they still like grab you for the next 10 years. So I, I started with SQL and I'm still doing a lot of SQL nowadays despite I'm, I'm doing a, a lot of, of Scala. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that the project you invest like mostly into uh, at the beginning of those years will will have huge impact on the decisions you do for uh, a decade. Mm. So it, it's very weird. Like um, I still remember all the problems I had. I still remember the abstractions. And then you start to understand all the mistakes you you made on those first projects and how they impact like the decision you make on on the following one. Uh, it, it's very weird to to have those rumination after those years. Like it's like oh. Uh, I didn't do the, this right abstraction at this time. So I need to develop these new skills to kind of redo this project again, but you are not doing this project again, like you are doing other projects. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm mostly directed to data management nowadays. Like I'm not doing any web development or any mobile development, but I tainted by a certain experience that I have in my career, like for example, being exposed to SQL at the beginning or being exposed to compilers at the beginning. Uh, one of my projects at the beginning when I was ending my engineering degree was uh, run compilers. So it's a technique that I still use even on data management. Mm -hmm. Like the way to abstract things differently depending on the stage you are in. So to have multi-stage processing, even when you manage data that are inspired a lot by compilers. And then you, you move on and you try to learn a lot like uh, in your path. And there are years at the end, you, you, you think you didn't learn a lot and yet you, 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 you do. Yeah. I remember a quote. I, I forgot who said that. Uh, the more you know, you know that you don't know. Like, like you realize yes, that. Exactly. And, and there are days you say like, I understand nothing about what's going on. I think like the more you grow, the more you understand, you know, nothing. <laughs> And it, it's very fun, like uh, you have expertise about certain things, but your expertise is actually knowing how much you don't know. Yeah. This is how you become an expert. Uh, uh, because the more you know, you go deeper into the details and there are more other things and uh, that needs uh, to be learned Yes. in every detail. Yeah. Actually, what I find it Right, is when you meet people in those tech environments and um, you know you don't know, you know that this person may know, and you have um, the courage of the relationship to ask them about it. It's like, how would you mm -hmm. do in this case? And sometimes the answer, I don't know either. And it's so fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's not the first start to, be, to, to begin because you 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 know these things is beyond your expertise and then you say well i need to give a call to, to this guy like uh, i didn't talk to him in the past six months and the when you you call him like the conversation is so fluid like as if it never ended and say how would you do it like how would you do that because i think i'm making a mistake 
I'm the answer. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's very fun. The, the, the more you accept that, like, you know, nothing, it's better. Yeah. Um, I, I don't do talks nowadays, but at the beginning, when I started like 10 years ago, it was simple. Like you would have a database, you would have a program, you would have something that maybe like talk to your program and that's it. And nowadays, like you have so many technologies that you need to master to even be considered an expert in this field. That mm -hmm. is getting crazy. Like I said, so, so many papers to read, so many uh, architecture, and it makes everything like way more complicated than it used to be. Yeah. Despite we are building stuff that are maybe like more resilient that we used to do, I, I find it like way more complicated than anything that happened like 10 years ago. Yeah. The world is also progressing in a way that the data is very important and they need more distributed systems and you need to look into more solutions. And to, to be compatible with the old programs and so on. Yes. And so on. Yes. yes. And all the, the new methods in development that you have, new framework. Sometimes we, we, we look like from afar to the JavaScript ecosystem and see all those libraries that popping like, uh, and if you, if you wait six months, like it's something completely different. It's, it's very fascinating. At the same time, I, I find it like a uh, very weird, like those, those things are moving so quickly. I mean, are they stable enough? Our methodology mature enough to, to manage anything. And, and it delivers, like, uh, for example, in the Scala ecosystem, I often tell people like, uh, what, what changed in Scala the past few years, like, uh, for example, what changes is the effect management. We have been working like on it for the past 10 years. Like I still remember like 2012 doing like, uh, for example, tagless final in Scala and, um, to land to something that is somewhat stable in the, in the past few years is uh, something that is incredible. So it, it moves, it moves in the direction and, it, and it, the methods are, are way better than we, we used to have, but the complexity perception is way higher than we used to have. So maybe we are more ignorant like a couple of years ago, but I think also like we are exposed to so much different ways and system to connect and integrate that it, it's way beyond like anyone's understanding. Yeah. And when there are many solutions are available, also it makes it more uh, challenging. You need to learn which one to choose and which direction to go with uh, that solution. And the whole team, it will affect depending the whole... on, And depending on the pricing, yes. depending on the, the number of time, like recently we had to adjust the solution depending of, of the pricing that they, they provide. Like we say, okay, this thing could be great, but the pricing is that. It's not something that we used to, to think about before because we would think about how much resources it would take. And so on the same scale, we would put those things. Yeah. But nowadays it depends. Okay, so you know, depending on resources, depending on number of API calls or number of other things and you need to take that into account. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. So... Still stuck with SQL nowadays. Like I started with SQL, still stuck with SQL. <laughs> and uh, so after your university directly, you, you continued uh, what you were doing and uh, you started working on... Uh, uh... So thing that was very funny is like I uh, had my diploma in 2010 
And due to the, the diploma that I have, it would open opportunities as project manager at the beginning, mm-hmm. which I mean, if you have any sense of technology, you say like, why would you be a product manager when you're barely like uh, 23 years old? And the, the, the reason is because in France, we certain diploma opens to more doors because we, it's based on competition. I was selected as a product manager in a big energy company at the beginning of my career. And so I did no programming for one year mm-hmm. and this, this has been crazy. So, so, so I'm glad like I exited that, that path, like, uh, like right away. So I was, uh, first I integrated like a scrum team, uh, at the beginning for a couple of months in a software shop. And then I was selected to, to be a product manager in, in a big energy company in France. And, and, and strangely, like, uh, I was a product manager related to, to building projects uh around the gas things that we are talking nowadays because of the gas crisis mm. it's like it's very funny like you you don't you don't know that we already knew it was it was a shit show at the time the gas prices mm. and the electric, electricity prices in europe uh were done in a way that it 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 doesn't make any sense um anyway one year without doing any form of programming except that i had to to manage like a project delivered with using java and oracle mm-hmm. um and maintenance and i was the only project manager in my team that knew about xml at the time mm-hmm. and that was scary because people would manage project on big organization uh, i'm talking about project that involved like two to three hundred people without any tech background Mm-hmm. It's like they would only managing deadlines and SLAs and and contracts and so on and say, uh, yes, but but can we make these things like deployable in less than thirty minutes instead of four hours of man- manual intervention or not? And it was very very weird. Like I was an alien, so I would start work at at seven at seven a.m. Um, like deploying application with operation uh, teams, and and work at 11 p.m. Uh, mm. so really like around the clock and managing deadlines with project manager and it was very weird like uh, my brain was split in two is like those blue colors were doing the right things and those white colors were not having any clue about what to do mm-hmm. and and so i exited that path right away like uh, i delivered my project exited that path and went back to, to, to startups, to data, to creating projects at companies with, with other people, like giving them the means to ways to, to be a project around data. Uh, and it was very interesting. It didn't stay in the, in the, in the management too long. Like it was not for me at all. And, uh, what, uh, at what, which point in time you decided to be independent and to have your, uh, company? So. At the beginning, but I could not. So when I had my degree, I wanted to to build um, like with someone like, to to be part of a small project and, and to build it. And the thing in France is like, if you didn't work enough, you didn't have enough money to be a part of those of those things. Like you need to work a bit so the state can even fund like a couple of years that you that you do in startups. The, the the way the way small companies are funded in France is very different. Like you, you work a bit and then you get funding from the state to build your own project. And if you don't work and if you don't have any work history, 
you have nothing and you cannot make money um, as easy as in another country. Mm. For example, if you work in the state, you make like a higher salary than you make in France. So you can save like a chunk on the path and then use that chunk to fund your project. In France, you can't, like you, you barely like spend on your money that you get. And then you ask the government to spend like a couple of years off like uh, unemployment two years uh, to build your project. So you first have to work then to be really independent, mm -hmm. which is weird <laughs> because you, you need to have this buffer to be able to, to kickstart your, your business, at least to, to, to have like three to four months buffer to be able to start. And you are not able to make that buffer from your existing salaries because your salaries are too low in France. Mm, yeah. Like we are paying for social charges, which makes sense. Like we have great healthcare infrastructure, hospital if they work. But to get back, you need to work a bit and then to, to get back this, this chunk of money. Mm. So I wanted to do at the beginning um, to, and then I was able to work in a, in a software shop that was open and where there, it was flat, like no hierarchy. Uh, we would do our project. We would be paid depending on the project we are in. So it was a group of independent people together mm. and it, it was the beginning. Like I was rarely an employee, uh, during the last 10 years, like I was an employee, like for this big energy company, I was an employee one time for one year for this other startup because I really wanted to join the project and they don't they, they would not accept any freelancer working for them. So I say, okay, I, I signed and I took a huge pay cut for the project. To sign with them, like I really like the team, I really like the the project manager they they wanted me to work with. So I said, okay, take a take a pay cut and then I come join you. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, they thought I would never come. Say, so, yeah, no, yeah, really like what you do. Okay, so let's <laughs> do it together. So I was working my own, and nowadays I'm the director of a small software shop where people are more autonomous. So we are a team of eight. Mm -hmm all experts in data and um, and it's freed. So uh, it's not a group of independents, more a group of experts in, in the same like, entity. Mm -hmm. And it allows to, to have more flexibility in what we do. Awesome. I remember when I worked in Paris, we, we uh, it happened that we worked at yes, the same company. We, we had the chance to work together. I miss it somehow. Like to have people that have, uh, are friendly and that have good skills. And then you, you, you continue the conversation over the coffee or over the lunch break. So there is a lot of advantages in remote work, but there are certain setups where you meet the same person every day and, and then you start to, to, to build friendships and to go eat together and, to, yeah. and to, to, to have those projects. So it was very nice at the time. And I'm afraid like we are not able nowadays to experience that thing anymore. Yeah. Um, not that it's great to have like a long time of, of commutes every day, depending of where you live and where you work. But I, I find that I miss the connection that I had in, in the office space um, and that I'm not having at the moment in the project I'm working in. Yeah. And I remember that you were also one of the organizers of uh, the Meetup Paris user group, right? 
Yeah, a couple of a couple of um, again, like the, we we don't meet a lot like the past few years, but uh, it was very fun. So yeah, at that time we joined a lot together, the meetups. Yeah, we we had a good team in Paris of of people that would go to meetups together. Um, so so one of the meetups that, that was very regular at the time was the Scala meetup in Paris every last Thursday of the month in Paris at the at the seventh floor of, of Xebia, the same room. So Xebia would lend the same room of, to us like for a couple of years. Uh, they were very, very friendly. And um, we would meet around Scala, which would have led to the creation of Scala.io. So the conference, the community conference around Scala in, in that is uh, running like if everything is fine every year. So we, we had to pause a bit during the confinement and all. So they made a good team. And then um, a couple of years after, I kickstarted a meetup called Data Engineering in Paris. And the way we would meet is like the, the way it was described is like you you have a ton of problems due to data engineering because it's a field that, that is the intersection of political issues in organizations, like who get the data, who work with the data, and all the technical difficulties because we have to work with distributed system. So you have in the same people two responsibilities, like one technical one and political one. And since the healthcare system is not reimbursing us of anything, so we could create a group to drink together and speak about our problems. And it was so fun because we would tell like horror stories around data lakes in those meetups without any talks. So we would just meet, drink, share the horror stories we have in data lakes. Uh, due to either technical reasons, technical choice, or political reason. We, we cannot underplay the roles of politics around data, especially in big organizations, because the data are uh, the property of one uh, department or one entity, and the processing is another entity, and they, they never agree on anything, unless they fight for a couple of years, and then they converge to something. Mm -hmm. But then you are in the middle of those sites and you need to make technical shows related to those political decisions. So yes, it was nice meetups in, in Paris, like uh, every every now and then having drinks and, and sharing all real stories uh, around the text. So it, it's fun because tech people do talk a lot and do share a lot if they are in the right setup. It's not that we don't we want to bash about anything that is happening. Just we need to have the right shoulder to be able to tell what we are really experiencing in those fields. Yeah. So it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was uh, and and then we have a couple of talks at the end, but uh, it was mostly the talks were usually light. We tried to keep it as short as possible mm -hmm. so that people can talk together and share those experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that was that was a lot of fun and. Uh, and I made a lot of friends in, in those groups. Like I still like uh, talk to them despite the, the distance and all. And sometimes I visit them if I had a chance to. So a large part of my friends nowadays are, are from those groups. Yeah, that's very cool to have a community. Also, when uh, you have technical questions, you know that some people who are maintaining such um, uh, like one of the libraries that you are using, you can ask them any question. Yes. They are friendly yes. or something. This is very cool. Yes, people don't realize if you are having those relationships, the, the amount of 
line of code that are shared like that over phone calls or over like uh, talking to the right person. Like yeah. for example, hey, I have this problem with Spark. It's not reading my dataset properly. Do you have any issues with that? Yes, I have this kind of code. Like I can do uh, four lines to you that would save like you two days of work. And I think like people don't ask a, a lot about it. Like they think that they need to to suffer on their own instead of uh, having the chance to to ask another expert about it. And usually people are really happy to be able to help. Like, oh, I have this problem. Like, can I help? Yes. As long as the question is is formulated properly and you 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 prepare the groundwork, like yeah. uh, you, you have you can have my time for free. Like, you need to to pay those uh, huge fees. It's like I would be happy to help you and to to help you level up and 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 or even to learn something or even to tell you that I don't know. That's so, very nice. So, I think like people don't realize it's possible. Like they 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 sometimes go to Discord and they they find someone and and they ask, but they have a partial answer instead of having someone that would actually uh, go in the trench with them and and fix a problem for them. Like I'm not saying like the those communities and forum and chat are not working. Just they are not as powerful as they could be. Mm, yes. And uh, I think uh, this is also could be useful for the audience about um, uh, taking the opportunities to join some technical uh, events or uh, it's, like it's communities. More, what I find missing is like people don't get the courage to ask other people about something. I've seen like people saying like my DM are open. It's like, yeah, but nobody, nobody is doing anything like uh, for example, we have a, a library open, like um, open source library, and we have a Calendly link, and I, I think like nobody clicked on it. On it, mm-hmm. like you can ask anything, click on the link, and and you have like twenty minutes with us. Like, would you come? It's like no, nobody is clicking. So it's 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 very weird because at the same time we are over solicited to have meetings with people offering solutions and to, to, to present us something. But we don't take the time to, to really solicit people and people that would appreciate your questions and would be happy to help us. So it's what I find a bit weird somehow. It's like you have a huge amount of people that are experts and you can just ask them in in their dm and they would help you if you are formulating the question correctly and and make the run work i mean that you you are like showing that you are working on your questions um i think it is difficult uh to get the courage to ask people because it it depends there are nice people there are like we don't know if for example someone offers that feel free to ask uh, any question or something like this. Maybe it will motivate others to ask or something like that. I know that if there is an open chat, like in Discord, like anyone can ask questions, but sometimes it's it can feel scary for people who start and who doesn't know if the group of people are nice, uh, if they will ask questions. Yeah, depending on the community. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And and it's why I'm glad to have a small group of experts. Uh, So uh, if I don't know, like just go to to, go internal Slack and ask for something like, have you seen this kind of bug in 
for example, this kind of security dependency in Java. Like, uh, do you have any ID? And, uh, and the answer sometimes is no, and sometimes it's, yeah, yes, I did that. Uh, and at least you, you understand like you are free to ask and, um, and there is no judgment. Like, uh, okay, if you don't know. Yeah. And uh, would you like to promote the conference? Ah, so <laughs> the, the one we are organizing. So we are, we are rebooting with um, the community like Scala.io this year. So that would be the conference is, is in the 4th of November in Paris this time up in Lyon. And um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like uh, we, we try to make sure that there are times so you, you can exchange with the community. So you, you don't have to go to talks all the time try to, to make it balanced and we have a couple of folks so it, it will be way smaller uh, in terms of content than the previous edition of scala.io because we we shrinked it to only one day and and two uh talks at the same time but it's a great moment for the community uh, to to meet and uh and exchange around scala and and the way scala is moving nowadays uh, with all the the new features uh with Scala 3 and, uh, and the women at JFX and, uh, and certain movement in the overall community. So it's, it's nice to have it back. It's, it's a lot of work to organize a conference as always. Um, and I'm not alone on it, not at all. Like, uh, there is a Fabrice that is working like, uh, I would say night and days on it to, to make it happen. So he's taking the, the large chunk of the load. Um, around this conference, but we we needed it, so so we we made it happen. Okay, we needed to have this community event back and running, so so a couple of hundred of people can meet and and share the experience and uh, and see that they are not alone and they 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 share an interest in the same technology. That's cool. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> yes, okay, I can't wait. Like. Uh, like it's a lot of work, but they can wait to be in November and to to see those people and to to give them their their badge and to to welcome them back to, to the conference. Like uh, the fourth of November at eight o'clock, it's it's gonna be very fun to be there, behind the table at the at the reception and and to give them their badge back and say welcome back. Uh, we are running again. Yeah, like I can wait. But I wonder about uh, like now. Um, with your career path, uh, what are you thinking about? Like, what is next? Do you feel like uh, you are doing what you love? Is it exactly the same thing that you want to do? Or are there something you would like to reach? Am I doing what I love? <laughs> um, I think it's not complete. Like, um, I had the chance to, to be exposed to people with great ideas and like the way they would run technology to be different. Like I, I was very sad when, when Joe Armstrong died, like the, the creator of Erlang, uh, because I, I had the chance to have workshop with him and to see him at conference in London. And I, I thought I, I learned so much from him and, and, and I mean, he died too soon, way too soon, because then you realize, okay, oh, I had the chance to meet him personally, which people after me won't have. And, and the same, like, um, with the closure community, like I had the chance to, to be a part of this community as well. And, and they promote ideas that are way underdeveloped on outside of the community. And so I feel that I'm not programming the way I should program because it would require a total change of mindset 
from um, especially the clients. Mm -hmm. And the experience I had in those communities, like, oh, it's crazy. Like, we can do that. Like, we can maintain a program without stopping it. Like, is it possible to have open deployment like that? Or to even, like, work on a program without just restarting? Like, I had the chance to use Clojure a lot in audits, to do data audits, and never had the same amount of performance in any other language. Uh, you would start the audit, the audit is, is a couple of days, and you start your entire virtual machine, and you don't stop it until you end the audit, and you produce all the pieces. So if there is something that is missing, a tool for analysis and so on, you just integrate the tool in the runtime. You just push a program, you, you are in the flow, and, and you just push things around, and you, you feel like, like some of an artist, like you are close to your instrument. Mm -hmm. You don't have some kind of string of 15 meters between you and and the instrument you manage you 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 are directly with your hands on it and so i don't know because um the choice i make today is um i'm making the more time pass i'm making people way further away to the environments where i would be so close to the program that i, I would really touch it and manage it as if my fingers we're passing the barrier and we're directly in both programs managing values. So it's very disturbing to have touched that and then to come back to more like uh, general programming, general composition and abstraction. And not that I'm saying that I'm, I'm not delivering anything uh, due to the change. The thing is, the thing is like when you work in teams, the choice you make makes the team productive enough and you are able to provide values. It's just the way program can exist could be so different that it's disturbing to do things the way I do them nowadays. Like it feels like I'm still in the dark age of, of programming, despite I'm working with one of the most advanced language out there uh, in my day to day. So as for a programmer, um, I may not finish the path. Um, like I don't know if the, this is the right path and I will continue that path. Or if I would take different directions around data and around programming, and uh, to to find something I'm really comfortable with, and that would really like connect to the way I could work. As as a person, um, the more time passes, the more I'm going back to working outside computers, like for example, uh, gardening, surfing, mm -hmm. uh, 3D printing. It's not of putting 3D printing nowadays, so. I'm I'm glad to have those paths that are created, like uh, to be able to do different things and to not just like spend uh, uh, as I would have done in the past eighty hours per week mm. or something, but uh, to spend like a good chunk on programming around data and then a good chunk about something else, like uh, for example, uh, trying to solve solutions in the real world, building uh, techniques uh, around three D printing, for example. Uh, relearning stuff and um, building things in the real world yeah yeah that's uh, also healthier because it's uh, a lot if you will continuously do the same routine a long time in the computer uh, it would never end i have so much unfinished open source projects that i could contribute to advertise uh tell the world like they, they, they could use it like for example uh uh, optimization of data pipelines, uh, other things that would that would move the data differently and and make you, I mean, work through data and so on. Mm -hmm. 
but also my 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 garden is not finished as well so <laughs> yeah i need to prioritize and uh, as time passed the the season changed as well and we are in autumn so the, the tomato will not grow as good as in the summer mm. so, so the time is ticking differently yeah before we wrapping up if you have something else you'd like I, to share i think something that i was not sharing i mean or insistent of is how much people can really change you in in this field like the way you would meet with experts and they change your path uh, as mentoring but as what really changed me in the past few years is the way i would interact with end users and for example coding with people that actually are the clients of your work and that would mm -hmm. use the value they provide and coding directly and showing not how easy it can be because it's never easy but how simple it could be and the way they ask is is actually like not something weird and and accept their they they want something different and and make the software work in the direction so something that really disturbed me at one point in time is like I've gave a full repository access to one of the clients as well as a continuous deployment platform. But it was like more than 10 years ago. So we were barely talking about those things. And at one point, the client started to, to solve the logic mistake we made implementing the program. And I asked him, like, what did you do? And he's like, I use a, a text search and then I tried it. And since he opened the, the continuous deployment platform, I knew that I would not break anything. So. And the version it was working, so I would uh, I just fixed it. It was easier than than doing a ticket. I know that you do great work. I know that programming is not easy, but solving that it was something that I could do. Mm -hmm. That is something, and it's something I, I have not found like since mm -hmm. having end users solving directly if they can in the code base things that were not working or not fitting the specification, and that saves like tons of time and then provide values to, to the people that are using the software. Yeah. So that's, that was some of the experience that I had in my, in my path that disturbed, still disturbed me today is like, can I do that now? Like the technology is so much better in that direction, but I am able to, to do that again and to, to work in some form of organic composition with people that need the software we use and the people that build it in a way that is great way more efficient than what we think would make it efficient, for example, like all the project management methodology or all the way we would tackle like the, the needs of, of clients. So yes, that's a that's not an advice. It's like the advice would, would be meet new people and open up and uh, they rarely want to eat you like they mostly want to work with you and and to join your courses and you may have incredible experience uh if you are ready to open up mm -hmm. so do you have like something that you wished you have known before this one is very important it's something that i wish i had known and uh i think mentoring is very important as always coaching mentoring is very important as always mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, can, you can go alone very far, but having someone to really talk openly about what you do uh, is something that could change yeah. you. And but the thing is, uh, I find it very hard to find someone to do that, especially when you grow older. 
need to have people where you where you share the thing that are not, not working currently, the, the the way you have successes nowadays, and um, and what disturbs you. It's very difficult to find those people, and it's very difficult to have a working process with them. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you are young enough, they are people that are willing to do that for you and to give you a bath. I find that it's not happening as often as it should be. So the advice is like, if you are young enough, uh, if you are at the beginning of this path, find someone that did it five years ago. And even if you think it's a competitor, or even if you think, so it works for businesses as well. Even if you think there is a conflict of interest or it won't fit, maybe the more you think about it, the more you should just ask for them to help you and to give you a direction. Yes. That happened for businesses as well. Like uh, at one point I was, I was starting to, to make a business about something and I just organized a video with a potential competitor and he gave me like so much advice that it would change all the direction I would make. And it was really like not in a, in a way that would trick me or decide me, it was just explaining how much he had problems in this direction and what can help. It works the same thing with humans. It's like if you if you want to be a speaker, or like uh, ask a speaker how they how they did it. Yes. Or if you want to be a, an expert in some programming field, like uh, ask an expert like, what did you do? Like uh, what did work? What didn't? Can can you help me a bit and uh, and check if I'm doing the right thing? And yes. people are usually happy to help especially if you ask good questions. I mean, that you, you, you know what you, you made your work and, uh, and you are asking like, in a way that is more open than usual to solve the problem that you have. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. I find sad that people are not asking that much. Like, uh, yeah. Just we, we could, we, we have all the tools for, and, and there is not that much rest. Okay. Just, just do it. Like, you want to go to the direction, ask this expert, is like, okay, I want to be you in five years. Like, what should I do? And yeah. they would most likely respond correctly to you. It's like, that is bold. It's like and, a compliment for yeah. them also. Yeah. And and maybe they don't know how it worked. And maybe they they will tell you, I have no idea. And I don't think I have, I am what you think I am. Just ask. And I think people don't ask enough. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, it's a good advice to ask, ask for help or ask for advice. This is, uh, it, it can make things uh, go faster. Even you can do it in any way, but it can be faster when you find someone who has an idea about what you want to do. Yes. And uh, it changed on, on the things you are doing like uh, daily and, uh, and the, the more we work in this field, the more we tend to be problem solver and and we need those problems that comes in a, in a friendly manner and to solve them. That would change to the like, huge issue we are. Yeah. We are managing every day and, and all the code quality and the bugs. And so, yes, asking people or being asked about other people's problems makes this job way funnier and, and way more um, rewarding than, than it is. Yeah. And to get the opportunity to socialize because most of the time we are working with computers. So it's okay to, to interact with humans also and ask. 
It was very nice、uh, to talk to you. Yeah, it's always nice to talk to you. It was fun. Yeah, it was、uh, fun. Thanks for your time. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tick tack, tackle the inspiration.